listening to Attracted to the Inferno, an audio discussion segment available for personal communication devices all about Boston Terror, the reconstituted wood match. Or something. Hello, it's me, it's Frank, this is Drawn to the Flame. I'm jumping in here with another first look episode. As I've said before in these first look episodes, this is really just my reactions to player cards. The episode and the discussion or my comments aren't meant to be completely exhaustive. It's meant to be a reaction rather than a sort of full summary or, you know, complete evaluation. And I've been thinking about that and it's led me down this line to thinking more broadly about how people generally in card gaming circles evaluate cards and whether or not people on podcasts or on videos or in blogs can really provide objective, reasonable evaluation for cards without playing them exhaustively and without testing them in so many different situations. I think it's one of the things I really like about Arkham Horror. There are so many times when a a card that doesn't seem that powerful can actually be the perfect thing for a particular situation or can be that, that sudden surprise that gets you out of trouble. And that's something I love about it. So if I sound hugely enthusiastic about these cards that's because I probably am because I'm hopeful about the odd and unexpected directions that this game takes us. On spoilers and going spoiler three my feeling is this month it's been a lot easier than last month to avoid spoilers. I know that there was a bit of a conversation online particularly around the Mythos Busters discord server about spoilers And shout out to Sean on there, who actually set up a a channel called the Esoteric Order of the Street Date, and that's today for Undimensioned and Unseen, as a space for people to hang out and chat who really didn't want to accidentally see a card that they didn't want to know about. I mean, I had a moment on, I think, Saturday where I opened Facebook, and the first post that Facebook decided to put in my feed was one from one of the Arkham horror groups that I'm a member of and it was someone who'd written spoiler spoiler spoilers the new packs cards but they'd attached photos to the spoilers and uh, to, to the post and that meant that immediately my eye was drawn to a card luckily that card was the leveled up right of seeking which we've known about for donkey's years so I suddenly went oh crumbs I know what this is going to be and leapt away from looking at it any further but that's how easy it is. It can just be a moment's lack of vigilance and boom, all of your efforts at avoiding spoilers have been ruined. Anyway, if you've joined me in the Esoteric Order of the Street Date channel to say hi, or if you're someone who said, yeah, I'll give that a try, wicked. It's really nice personally because it means I'm not just going mad about even wanting to try this and I'm really grateful. I'm going to talk about what I know about this pack in a moment. I just wanted to make two other shout outs. First of all, you may have noticed that Drawn to the Flame has a new logo. Peter and I are so delighted and chuffed and basically blown away by this because it was a lovely man called Benjamin, I think, who contacted us on Twitter saying that they were designing something. He's in Sweden and he offered us this art just because he's been enjoying the podcast. If you want to check out his Instagram, I think there's a couple of them, and it's SF Rembrandt, like sci-fi Rembrandt is what in my head, so that's uh, letter S, letter F, R-E-M-B-R-A-N-D-T, Rembrandt. 
their Instagram has loads of alchemy pictures that are really cool and it looks like they're interested in the sort of ephemera that go around the game like tokens and design i think they've also been doing deck boxes there are a couple of videos on there so really check them out and huge thank you from us about about that because it was just so flattering and such a surprise and my second shout out is actually to peter because we talk about cards a whole lot we talk about building we've even recorded some other episodes about other cards and, and things about factions of us just talking about things and sort of chewing the fat about this game and what possibilities there are out there and for the last three months when I've said I don't want to do spoilers he's seen the spoilers about a week before the new pack drops and he's had to be patient and send me messages saying like you know oh my goodness you're going to love this and then having to sort of hold his breath I basically refuse to talk about anything that he knows when he sees spoilers and he's had to bite his tongue and say you're going to really love these cards and I'm not going to say anything and I'm really grateful because he could basically fold and tell me things just because he's run out of patience but he's also had to be patient so cheers bud I'm really grateful okay my hands are a bit sweaty my head is spinning we're going to dive in I have player cards here in front of me from undimensioned and unseen the fourth mythos pack of the Dunwich Legacy cycle which brings us the fifth scenario sixth if you count the two in the Dunwich Legacy box as one what do I know about these cards well I'm so excited because last month we knew about the permanence we'd known for a while so I knew really what five cards were going to be of the 10 player cards because we knew that there was going to be the permanent 3 XP one even if I didn't know what it was going to be like there was no moment of flipping one of those cards going, oh, wait a second, it's a 3xp permanent. I wasn't expecting that. This month, I know that there are two Mystic cards. There's one Rogue card that Fancy Flight Games teased a long time ago, so I know about that. And I think I know about one Seeker card, and that's it. And I've done a little bit of this sort of investigating that I normally do, and I think Rogue or Mystic will have three cards this time round, a little bit like Survivor had three cards a couple of packs ago. But beyond that... I really know very little. So I have the cards in my hand. Let's let's see. And in fact, when I opened the pack, I saw that the bottom card on the pack is a Guardian card. So I'm just going to turn this pile over and we'll go from there. Ready, set, let's go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> this is If It Bleeds. What incredible art to be struck by for the first card there's the silhouette of a person with a broken stick in their hand and there is the the head of an axe with the the haft of the axe has snapped off haft shaft whatever and and like a horrific mass of is that like hooves and skull if it bleeds dot 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 quote marks it's a one cost guardian event willpower and combat icons which think sounds amazing straight away fast play after you defeat a monster enemy okay monster enemy not just an enemy has to be monster traded lita liked you dealing with monster enemies as well i think each investigator at your location heals horror equal to that enemy's horror value wow nice okay that is really interesting guardians have first aid heals damage or horror slowly emergency aid heals damage now they have a fast card only one cost to heal horror how many monster enemies 
do lots of horror. Hmm, monster's not too much of a trait I've looked out at at Dunwich. I wonder if Silas, the abomination, is he... Doesn't matter, it's the end of the scenario. Okay, interesting. I'm going to have to sit down, look up the monster trait, and see how much horror there is. If my suspicions about what the art on Undimensioned and Unseen are anything to go by, then maybe we're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of monster enemies coming up. Oh, I suppose you have things as well, like, is it the Yithian Observer that does one horror? So kill that, pay one, and heal a horror? But is each investigator at your location as well, though? So if you're being the Guardian, defending your group, pulling enemies onto you, you're giving out, like, group healing. I suppose, best case scenario, you could kill a monster everyone be at your location in four player and you heal eight horror if it's a two horror enemy that would be insane that's best case scenario okay uh, oh and flavor text it's a small comfort but you'll take it <laughs> okay can't argue with that right card number one down what a great start oh it is a guardian four cost asset four xp big expensive xp the springfield M1903, item, weapon, and firearm traded, combat and agility icons, uses three ammo, so paying four for three, action, spend one ammo, fight, you get plus three combat and deal two damage for this enemy, cannot be used to attack enemies engaged with you. Ah, two hands. Wow, the Guardian Sniper style okay a lot of different sort of comparable cards and weapons particularly 4xp puts it in the range of lightning gun and shotgun or is is lightning gun 5xp maybe lightning gun's five chicago typewriter's four four cost for three ammo is better than five cost for two with shotgun the same combat bonus as shotgun and guaranteed three damage if you hit it which is really pretty powerful that cannot be used to hack enemies engaged with you i mean if you're solo <laughs> you're, you're never going to want as a guardian to be evading and then shooting with the springfield rifle is the combat boost enough that you want to take shots at enemies engaged with other people or do you partner with a really heavy evasion investigator who's just dodging people pinning them down Oh, gosh, can you hear the whippoorwills in the background? They're going crazy today. Sorry if that's on the audio. Yeah, can you? so you, you pair with a really efficient evasion investigator who's just always taking on enemies, evading them, and you're just then firing pot shots and sort of shooting them from afar, avoiding retaliate. Cool card. Wow. Guardian's now starting to get a lot of choice for powerful weapons. This is the kind of weapon maybe you really want to run prepared for the worst for as well. Just if you haven't drawn it early, get it out, get it down. You're doing nine damage with three shots. Okay, the first Seeker card is Inquiring Mind. This is one that FFG announced last week, so I actually know about this. It's a skill. I think the first skill Seekers have got this cycle, apart from Deduction 2. Good catch, Frank. It's innate. Commit to a skill test only if there is a clue at your location. So there's a qualification there, but it's plus three wild icons. If we wish to learn, we must first question everything we know. Love the library that this person is in. If you wish to learn, go to the library. 
plus three, you need a clue. This, I think this is a really lovely card, almost for any of the Dunwich investigators, because you can, you know, there's so many times when there's a clue, and skills are so flexible with being thrown around. It doesn't say commit to a skill test you're performing as well, so if you're playing some kind of support role or you just want a plus three in your pocket, it's great. Definitely that restriction about the needing to be a clue could mean that this sits empty in your hand. It also often later in scenarios, often but not always later in scenarios, you've done your clue work and you're doing something else. You can even think about the gathering, that first scenario of the corset. Once the ghoul priest's out and you maybe want plus three on an attack or plus three on an evade, the locations the ghoul priest's most likely to be at are the hall and the parlour, and neither of them have any clues. So that's just shut down. But then if we carry that, that sort of line of thinking on, in Midnight Masks you're often made to drop clues, and depending on how you play Midnight Masks, you might end up in locations with clues. Someone like Roland maybe loves this, because often when you're playing Roland, if you've cleared a location of clues, you don't want to be there in case you draw an enemy off the encounter deck the following turn, so that you're ready then to get a clue if you kill that enemy. But Seekers, they're good with movement and positioning, so maybe this is a really strong card for them to be moving to locations with clues. I can't imagine a Seeker wanting to commit this to an investigation check, but maybe there's a, you know, a, a tricky evade that they're doing before they've cleared out a location of clues. So you drop this on the evade, avoid the enemy, grab the clues, move on. It's a nice card. Wow, okay. <laughs> the art on the next card. It's a Seeker 1xp event called Expose Weakness, and it is a massive crab creature. Zero cost event. Expose Weakness, 1xp. One intellect icon and two combat icons. Nice try icon is really good. Insight traded. Fast. Play during any lightning, which is a free trigger player window. Choose an enemy at your location. Test intellect X, where X is that enemy's fight value. For rats, that's a one. For ghoul minion, that's a two. For each point you succeed by, reduce that enemy's fight value by one for the next attack performed against it this phase. What a card. Oh, wow. The I like, as you often hear me say, my mind is kind of blown by the, the possibilities there. It doesn't cost you anything to play. It's only cost you an XP to get it in your deck. The fact that you don't have to play it on your turn, you can play this as the supporting seeker to help your guardian or your rogue with their next fight. Your intellect is probably quite high. There's no... Downside, if you're failing the test, unless you're pulling a specials token that's doing something nasty. It's fast, so it won't trigger attacks of opportunity. It's just like a a ping. That's really nice. Sometimes in scenarios you have that situation where you've taken one attack as the sort of fighter player and you've pumped everything you can into it, or as much as you can reasonably, and then for your second attack... You want to go again, but you maybe don't have the resources or the cards in hand to commit or something like that. And you're hoping that your playing buddies will help you out. If you're at that point as well, and there's no work for the seeker to be doing because they've got all the clues. 
sometimes seekers are just desperately trying to draw cards as much as possible and throw them and hope that that helps you've got the plus two combat pips on this that they could be chucking but also if they can smash the test if it's daisy with an intellect of six with a dr milan out and you can pass that test against a fourth enemy by two then suddenly yeah i like it also makes things like firing the shotgun more powerful right because you're increasing the gap between the investigator's combat and the enemy enemy's fight lower values to test against even if your skill is lower are better than higher values where your skill is higher because obviously if you can get the fight down to zero anything passes apart from the tentacles token what a fantastic card they look like um what are those creatures in fallout called my alert no they're like sort of crabby things you have to shoot them in the face our first rogue card is also a skill they have far more skills than rogues and it's called quick thinking it's got a single wild icon no triple wild icon here sorry rogues it's innate traded if this skill test is successful by two or more the gambling style that we know and love for rogues after it resolves you may immediately take an action as if it were your turn this action does not count towards the number of actions you can take each turn bonus action the ffg article that spoiled this card whenever it was two months ago announcing this pack was fantastic because it actually gave an example of when the player with this card might commit it to someone else's test because it would get them the action that would then help the other person for the rest of their turn so moving into fairly sophisticated tactical maneuvers within the game where you're saying yes take an attack of opportunity to do something else because you're going to pass this up i think the example was rex has an enemy engage with them and you're saying to the rex player go for it and investigate and if you pass by two or more you're going to have a plus one from quick thinking anyway the person committing the card who was a jenny player can then kill the enemy engage with you because they get a bonus action so really useful that they sort of explained how that worked i think an faq note has been has been added about this that the action you take as if it were your turn doesn't mean it is your turn so you can't play fast cards or things that say play only on your turn because it's not your turn you're just taking an action as if it were your turn but that's on arkham db because i've added it so anyway is it a good card i think it's a very situational card but i really love the idea that rogues get lots of actions and i really like the idea that you're throwing this on tests and using that action to leverage in some way a better board state and a better position within the scenario I'm now desperately trying to think of examples of that say if it gives you a chance as the rogue player to get another weapon out or to play an ally that you couldn't have afforded to play earlier or I mean, you could even do something like move or do you want to just move or draw a card? Probably not. Play, throwing this, keeping this in your deck just to do draw a card is maybe not worth it. But what really entices me about this card is the potential, a little bit like the potential of exposed weakness. Having this trick up your sleeve, meaning that it can be, you know, a, a really innocuous looking test that someone else is doing. You give them a plus one boost, they smash it and it lets you do something else as well. 
So yeah, I like it. I mean, even if you're a bur- burglaring rogue, if you're a rogue burglar and sometimes you can get really pressed for time late in scenarios and you stop burgling and that means you're not getting the resources that you're feeding into talents or whatever it is having quick thinking in your deck to just get that extra action that you then burgle with could be really useful there's a really creepy i think there must be a dark young in the background chasing this guy as well okay card two it looks like rogue getting the three cards card two whoa okay it's dice that are on fire <laughs> it's lucky dice subtitle or are they two dice that have sort of like um the black dice with red pips that have sort of tentacles or flame coming out of them it's a two cost asset two xp but i just looked down and it says exceptional so that's four xp and you're only allowed one lucky die in your deck well lucky dice in your deck uh, per investigator willpower and agility icons nice two icons on an asset is nice an item and relic traded and i see that it takes up the accessory slot which rogues do not have a lot of pressure on reaction trigger after you reveal a chaos token spend two resources ignore that chaos token and reveal another one to resolve if that token has a tentacle symbol remove lucky dice from the game Wow. Do you want to spend 4 XP and then 2 resources to get this into play to be Wendy, but rather than chucking the card from your hand, chucking 2 resources each time you want to redraw? My immediate answer is yes. Wendy's ability for anyone who's played Wendy is incredibly strong. It allows you to not have to commit as many um, resources and or cards or whatever it is to tests because if it goes disastrously badly and you draw a minus four or five you can redraw if you need to all of the caveats about needing to find this in your deck and needing to get it into play obviously apply but as an ability that's great and rogues can be swimming in cash and wanting to convert that cash into something useful later in the game is always good. Skids loves having lots of cash because he spends that cash on actions and on his weakness. Jenny likes lots of cash because she puts her guns down or also she's a big Streetwise fan, as I've been discovering. But yeah, wow. Wendy can also take this, but I'm not sure Wendy wants an accessory that does a similar thing. The downside, if you get an auto fail, remove lucky dice from the game. I'm going to predict now that everyone who plays with this card will at some time get it in play, use it, and immediately draw auto-fail, because that is the way of this game. But otherwise, I'm really intrigued by this card. What a great idea. It feels like it has just enough complications, the cost, finding it, the limit one per deck, that'll really challenge people to make the most out of it but maybe this is the kind of thing that you when we replay Dunwich Legacy the whole campaign maybe this is the first 4 XP you get this in your deck and then that gives you seven more scenarios to hopefully see it at least a couple of times and leverage its ability it's one of the weird things about the order of the packs coming out is there are so many cards I'd love to go back and build towards even something like Shaw Gamble and Rogue one of my Jenny decks, I really want to just go sure gamble, but 
There's so many great things to spend your XP on, it's hard. Okay, so that's Lucky Dice, done. Wow, Opportunist! This looks familiar because this is a Corset card, except it's not, because it's the level 2 Opportunist skill, like Deduction 2. Aha, I see what they've done there. And, quick thought then. Deduction is practiced and expert, and I yammer on about the traits, and I've just seen that this is innate and developed. So doesn't develop in the same way. One wild icon still, so it hasn't doubled up on icons. Commit only to a skill test you're performing. I think that's the same as the original opportunist. If you succeed by two or more, return opportunities to your hand after this test instead of discarding it. This is great for me as a challenge to remember the original opportunist, which I had no luck with and stopped playing. And I think it's one wild icon and you have to succeed by three or more. So you're paying two XP to have to succeed by two or more instead of three or more. If we ever see a time where there are guaranteed ways of boosting as rogue to, to, to make sure that you're two up, great. But otherwise, do you want to spend two XP or even four XP on two of these? You can't even throw it to someone else in a pinch because it's commit only to a skill test you're performing. Wow, maybe this is the first time I'm lukewarm on a card. I'm going to have to then put this in the deck. I mean, maybe it's also that it's come straight after Lucky Dice, which I've just picked up again, that seems so powerful, obviously for a greater cost, and with all the caveats I mentioned. If you succeed by two or more, return opportunities to your hand after this test. Instead of if you can reliably succeed by two or more, you have a plus one on tap. And that plus one is one card in your hand, which isn't one resource or whatever else it is. But if you're putting in enough resources to make sure you succeed by two or more, do you ever want that? Does this become more powerful at higher difficulties when the risk of being really pounded by some of the, some of the tokens is greater? Listener, you can probably tell I'm really... I can hear the cogs whirring in my head as I'm trying to work that out. I'm not sure. Why not Why not tweet or Facebook to the podcast and say why this is a great card? I would be very interested to hear. Okay, moving on. The Mystic cards. The first one is a unique asset. It's Alisa Graham, Speaker to the Dead. And she is sitting, looks like she has a migraine... Her eyes are completely white and she has a crystal ball. She is a four-cost asset with one intellect icon, ally and sorcerer traded, which is the same as the arcane initiate. You get plus one intellect, which is interesting, one health, three sanity, ally slot, and then there's a free trigger, exhaust Alyssa Graham. Look at the top card of either the encounter deck or any player deck. You may then add one do to Elisa Graham to place the looked at card on the bottom of its deck. I'm very intrigued by Elisa. <laughs> it seems a really interesting ability. We were really hot on scrying when we first had it. People really like Old Book of Law. Certainly Peter likes Old Book of Law. And this is slightly weaker ability, but with a stat boost. But it's also a nice looking ability on tap. 
Do you want to just be looking at your own deck in solo and as soon as you see a weakness, you, you lose three actions to avoid the weakness? Depends on the weakness, obviously. You know, if you paranoia and you have no money because you just spent four putting Elisa Graham into play, maybe you want paranoia to come into your hand and you just lose the card draw for the turn. Who wants a four-cost ally that gives them plus one intellect? Does this compete with Milan in Daisy? Milan's so good. Does it jump into Agnes? Does she want the plus one intellect for intellect three? If you're Agnes, you're probably not getting clues using your intellect. And if you are, something has gone really wrong. Jim? Takes Jim to four intellect. You could play this sort of Jim sort of, yeah, controlling role where... You know, Jim's good at passing tests anyway, but also he's keeping an eye on people's decks or he's he's checking the encounter deck to avoid one or two key nasty cards. Jim's a possibility. All of the Dunwich investigators can take this card. Worth noting. I did, I think, see someone mention uh, Ashcan Pete. You get the, the static plus one intellect, which is nice. And it's a, another sanity sink. For him yeah i my feeling about elisa is i'm gonna chuck her in a deck and find out and then the next mystic card is the leveled up right of seeking four xp it's got to be hefty up there with grotesque statue cost has gone up to five rather than four also hefty double intellect icon spell traded one arcane slot Uses three charges. Action, spend a charge. Should have added the same number of charges as the level zero. When you spend a charge in action, you investigate. You use willpower instead of intellect. Fine. You get plus two willpower for this test. Nice. If successful, you discover two additional clues at this location. So you're using this. In theory, out of your three charges, you could get nine clues which feels incredible to me. If any of the special symbols is revealed during this test, after this test resolves, lose all remaining actions and immediately end your turn. Okay, same drawback as the original Rite of Seeking. I've had quite a lot of time to think about this one. I like this in Jim. He has willpower of four, so the boost is nice. We've seen a catcher on Yele in the art of the Path to Carcosa announcement article she would get an extra charge when playing this so she'd get four charges for five resources which is really nice her willpower is already five but that would take her up to seven really really good i like the idea that one of the things mystics might be doing is not just using willpower as a replacement way of doing things but the way they then end up doing the useful basic actions like investigating is in in bursts so your mystic player throughout the the uh, scenario is not doing any clues at all and then suddenly they drop this and they get six say and they've, they've really pulled their weight as opposed to the survivor character who's kind of got one a turn piddling around failing some tests playing look what i found you know that sort of thing i like that as an idea i really like that idea that sitting down with your party before a campaign and saying you know what route are you going to go with your investigator and i think committing to doing this as the one way that you're going to investigate in mystic 
it's possibly very strong. I, I like the thought of it. I mean, you can almost run Agnes without any of the other fun, you know, without Drawn to the Flame. Sorry, amazing podcast. But just with this, if she can spare the experience for it and using Arcane Initiate to grab it, could be really good. Okay, interesting card. Now we move on to the, the Ender's Insight, the Survivor cards. <laughs> this card is called Dark Horse. And it is an old man with a big white beard and a shotgun. It is a three-cost asset, survivor class, one willpower icon. It is condition-traded. They said that there was going to be conditions, and I wondered what they were. Here we go, our first condition. Limit one per investigator, like Lone Wolf. During the upkeep phase, you may choose to not gain resources. Split infinitive, but I'll let them off. While you have no resources in your resource pool, you get plus one willpower, plus one intellect, plus one combat, and plus one agility. Dark Horse Fire Axe, here we come. Wow. It costs three, so if you've paid the three to get it, then yeah, you're, you're, you're maybe down at the bottom of your resource pool anyway. Plus one to everything. So Pete is, is a, as can Pete, is a five, three, three, Four. Wendy becomes a five four two five. Oh my word! And <laughs> it's no XP, so all of the Dunwich investigators can take this. Agnes can take this as well. Six six willpower. Agnes. Her stat line starts to look impressive. Who doesn't need resources to do things? Or is this just a, a classic late game card that you? or sort of mid to late game, you drop it down and then you're not coming out of that resource hole, maybe using Fire Axe or Scrapper or some other card that you're pumping your money into and you're just sitting there. Because the equip- the, basically what this is saying is that you have in play a sort of talent that you're able- that because you have no resources, you're getting plus one to three tests a turn is what it's saying. So you pay three, you get... Do I now sit down and play Undimensioned Unseen standalone with Pete and just immediately slot this in? Yes. Wow, the final card is another leveled up skill from the core set. And it is Survival Instinct, another card like Opportunist that maybe doesn't see that much play or I've played with a bit and not been wowed by it. And yet again, thank you FFG for testing me on cards to see if I can remember it. So this is Survival Instinct level two. It now has a double agility icon. The original Survival Instinct is a single agility icon. It's innate and developed, okay, the same thing. If this test is successful during an evasion attempt, the evading investigator may immediately evade each other enemy engaged with him or her and may move to a connecting location. Hmm. If I would have to guess off the top of my head, I would say that the zero XP survival instinct says that you may disengage from each other enemy and move. It definitely has the move clause. This is you do one evade check, get plus two to your evade. Everything else gets evaded for two XP. This is crazy good. Obviously, you need to be engaged with all of the enemies. If 
Zoe could take this. She could taunt all of the enemies into her and then automatically evade all of them for one action. But she could also just play Cunning Distraction. Yeah, she could play Cunning Distraction anyway. She could spend five resources. She could probably afford it. Okay, I, I love the look of that. That is really interesting. Yes, for it to be really worthwhile, you probably want a second enemy engaged with you. One of the problems in the game, though, is if you get bogged down. Solo I'm talking about now. If you're playing solo and you draw two enemies, you need to clear the location you're in of clues. And you're like, okay, I've got to evade once and then evade a second time. I've had this with Rex before. Evade once, evade a second time, try and get a clue. Both the enemies are going to engage me this turn. Next turn, I'm going to do it again. That can be in the smooth path to defeat. It's just be being bogged down. You can't kill them for whatever reason. This gives you a com- action compression and gives you the boost to help that, that, that action, the first one that's going to allow the compression to go off. I like it a lot. What an interesting group of cards. That is my that is my headline. Really, I like that these are pushing at the edges of the design space. It feels like it's not just linear, here are some better cards. So just thinking, you know, off the top of my head, the Springfield, there's a there's the qualification about the enemy not being engaged with you. Inquiring mind, there has to be a clue. Man, exposed weakness was good. Quick thinking, you've really got to have something you want to do with the action. Lucky dice, it's expensive. Yeah, okay, interesting pack. That I really feel like these cards are going to come into their own when people sit down and rebuild to start Dunwich again. And yeah, they're going to be some really useful things to have up your sleeve. I can't wait to see what people come up with. Oh, someone's on the line, I think. What a pleasant surprise this is. Nate French on the other end of the line calling to tell me about the cards he's created. Hi, Nate. How are you? Hi. Yeah, I think I think you've, there's been a bit mix up here. This is because I've saved Peter in my phone as Nate French because of how good he is at predicting cards. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hello. Oh, you. You're such a flatterer. <laughs> That's me. You've just looked at these cards for the very first time then? Yeah, just fresh immediately right now. What a delight it is to have you join me on a first look episode. <laughs> not at all, not at all. So, yeah, what do you want to talk about? Why are you ringing? <laughs> well, I, I had a feeling you might have just finished looking at the new cards. Uh, and I just wanted to see... Your timing is impeccable. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We couldn't have planned this better. So I'll just repeat everything I've just said then <laughs> down the phone to you because you are unwilling to wait for the episode to come out. I I think my my headline was that this is a really interesting bunch of cards. And I actually said at the start of the episode, one of the things I was looking forward to was that there was no shape to the cards. There weren't the permanents that were going to mean that we knew sort of what each faction was getting. And we've been given such a crazy mixture of things that there's really satisfying. Are there any cards that really stood out to you? What was your impression when you saw the cards earlier in the week? Well, the headline card for me was Dark Horse, which okay, yeah, I I think it's 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 a fascinating card and and a card that two two reasons I, th- I think it's it's a card which you can build a deck around quite easily and quite readily. I think it's quite powerful if you do that, and it also fits in a deck that I'm playing at the moment or or a type of deck I like to play. Um, so I have a, a Fire Axe Zoe deck. Which yeah. likes likes to spend all its money getting a good fire axe, uh, and now I've got another reason to do that, which is it pumps all my stats up by one. 
And that's yeah. the deck that you would try and Lone Wolf in, is that right? It is, yeah. And I've now taken Lone Wolf out because it didn't really work very well. You've Especially gone the other because there's, way. yeah, there was three of us as well. I, I found I was wasn't getting the money from Lone Wolf very often, and it didn't help me much when I did get it. So I think I'd rather yeah. go all in on on the having no money strategy. But I, I I think this is this is also a powerful card in faction as well. I think Pete can run it to quite quite a, an amount of success. Pete doesn't mind at all having no money. Yeah, my my follow up thought that I sort of had at the back of my head was that one thing that you might find yourself wanting to do is really move away from playing events and so build quite asset heavy deck because one of the reasons why you'd like to have a couple of resources in hand for things like look what i found or lucky and that sort of turns off dark horse unless you're going to play them and and drop down and just keeping a couple of resources just in case is really not what dark horse wants you to do so maybe i would want to look at building a deck that really committed quite strongly to the sort of asset only setup asset and skill setup rather I, I, well, I was going to say and, and skills as well because there's no skills so far which require you to have any amount of money yeah yeah they i mean they don't even have an, an option for a cost do they and we're starting to see some quite powerful skill cards in fact there's one in this pack inquiring minds in this pack as well which is a, a, a three wild icon skill card yeah and well and there are also two level two skills in this pack as well in Quite, survival yeah. instinct and opportunist so so which which cards or any card in particular jump out to you off the art purely expose weakness and yeah <laughs> i think that this is a really interesting card and gives another use for a survivor once they've kind of done their job collect uh, a survivor a seeker once they've done their job hoovering up clues what do you What's your take on it? I was running the maths when I saw the card, and I, I think in a, in a day-to-day situation, I'm not particularly overwhelmed by it, especially for an experience point. I, I can't think of many situations where using the ability is going to be better than just committing it to a test and getting two extra fight actions. Yeah. However... I think there are some situations in which it can be really, really good. An, an example would be for double or nothing. Wow, that's true, yeah. So lower so the fight value. So you effectively double up how much you're yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's that. I, I think, actually, we're not going to talk about any of the encounter cards from this pack, but I think it, it's also an interesting pack for this card to be in. And um, when people play it, they'll... I, that's not spoiling anything, that comment. When you play the scenario, you'll yeah. see, see what I'm getting at there. I, I like it because it also gives a use to high intellect characters when when there's fighting to be done. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love I've Got a Plan, because it typically the Seekers we've seen so far, they want to be getting clues, and if they're not getting clues, they're, they're kind of... You know, maybe you get a bit of support through Old Book of Lore or Encyclopedia, but also their primary function is clues... And when a big fight comes up, they could be sort of twiddling their thumbs. I have memories of playing the Corset campaign where that was the case. Just sort of, you get to the final scenario and they get some clues and then the big bad comes out and, and yeah, <laughs> sort of they're not really helping. Um, so this is an interesting, it's an interesting trick to have in one's arsenal. I love the art as well. I mean, the art's fantastic. Oh, the art's amazing. Um, any other cards that have got you hot under the collar 
Well, the, the other one that I absolutely love, and that's not just because it's a, a quote from one of my favourite films, is If It Bleeds. Yeah. So this this is, you play this after you defeat a monster and you heal horror, equal to that, yeah. the enemy's yeah. horror value. And again, an interesting card to have in this pack, uh, but I think an interesting card overall. It's a fast horror healing card, and horror seems to be, whenever I've struggled, it's usually been with horror rather than with health, although... You know, I've been in both situations. Yeah, yeah. This is this is exactly what I said. I I also said that this rounds out the guardian's options for healing. If we ever see the Doctor Guardian, this is you know another card to go in that that sort of deck. I suppose it requires you to do a bit of fighting to defeat enemies, but it's just another way that they can heal, which is really useful and handy. Yeah, I absolutely love the art as well. I think the art shows. What looks to be a pile of entrails with with a broken off fire axe embedded in it. <laughs> yeah, which you could tell straight away was going to appeal to me. This, I mean, when you describe your uh, ideal Sunday afternoon, it, it includes <laughs> many of the things that you've just described. So, is, is anything anything else for you? Yeah. Yeah, for me, the card that is rattling around in my head is Lucky Dice. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like the look of this. Yes, there were various complications with the dice. Four XP, only one in your deck. Got to find and play it. I can't help but sort of trip down that best case scenario lane and think that they could. It's really a case of gambling in Rogue. And if you get it down, you could transform. You can almost then, at that point, you're playing a different game because every test, if you need to, you can retake. I mean, in, in Jenny, which is not, not something I said in the episode, she has those resources all the time. If you're lone wolfing as well, you know, you, you, you maybe stop playing uh, stat-boosting talents because instead you want to get the lucky dice down and and gamble. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's not... You, you've probably mentioned all this in your in your look at the card, but it's not, it's not limited to once per test, so you can keep on revealing... You keep on rolling the dice to see what happens. I did not mention that, no. <laughs> um, which, which is quite cool. I, I mean... I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, that's amazing. We know that, that Wendy's ability can be really, really strong. And this, this makes any investigator with enough cash into a Wendy as many times as they want. As many times as they just want to keep rolling the dice. Ignore that chaos token, reveal another one to resolve. Do you think that means it's... It's not then return that chaos token to the bag and reveal another one, or do you think that it, the ignoring of the chaos token means? Oh yeah, that's a good point actually. Ignore that chaos token and reveal. Sweet, let me just double check what Wendy says. So Wendy says when you reveal a chaos token, choose and discard one card from your hand, cancel that chaos token, and return it to the bag. Reveal a new chaos token. So Wendy specifically says you return the token to the bag. So yeah. it looks and like you're right. So you limit limit one once per test. Is that what it says as well? After her, limit once per test. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of jumped in my head that this was identical to Wendy, and in fact, it's maybe better, but maybe worse. Because if you keep on you revealing take a test tokens when you're sort of one below and keep fishing for the plus one, but you're ever more likely to draw to the, do it. the lucky the, the the tentacles. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the more you roll the dice. Oh, this is fantastic! I really like this card. I I, I love the the subtitle as well. Or are they? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and as I said in the episode, 
which listener, this will be immediately at the same time as me saying this. <laughs> There's going to be so many people who put this down and immediately draw tentacles. I just know it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's the same with if you could. It's the same with people on Essex County Express getting immediately dragged into the void. If it's possible, it will happen. That said, that said, if you if the token you draw first is a tentacles, there's no harm yeah. in using this. Yes, this is like if you draw Elder Sign first as Rex when you're when you're cursed and you want to use it to automatically fail, it doesn't help you. You have to put it back in and redraw it and then automatically fail. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting card. It's the other thing I like about it is in a pack that's given us all sorts of versatility this is just another avenue that you could wander down i mean it seems that getting four experience in a scenario is a reasonable amount in this campaign so this is you know one scenario's worth of hard work Mm. that once you get that you're you know definitely once you get it in play it gives you all kinds of safeguards and and options that's just really powerful well should we leave it there for the moment there's Lots of other cards. You've talked about all the cards already, so we'll yep. listen to you when we listen to you. Um, everyone else has already listened to you, so the listener's in a, in a more privileged position than I am here. Everyone's, um, yeah, but I'm sure... confused why you don't know what I've just said. <laughs> um, but I'm sure the, you know we'll be talking about these cards over the next few weeks as well. And in fact, we've also got the scenario itself to talk about as well, which we will do at some point soon. Yeah. So... Thanks very much for listening, Peter. Thanks for jumping on and doing this with me. It's really nice of you. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we're drawn to the flame on Twitter. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook. Our blog is drawn to the flame podcast.blogspot.co.uk or something like that. That has all of the, the necessary information. If you need more information, you can also email us with drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. If you have any rules, questions you can send them there as well because i've been updating the faq on arkhamdb.com and if you spot any errors in the faq or indeed on that website please let us know i check that email every other day something like that when i remember to check it and i'll try and update things in a timely fashion you can get in touch with peter Uh, well i'm everywhere as as unitled u-n-i-t-l-e-d so yeah just drop me a message he's very chatty or you can get in touch with me, I'm FB on Twitter, or I'm around the places, Zooey Glass or Zozo, things like that. And yeah, send me a message too. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.